Matthew chapter 20. I was reminded, and I didn't remember this, uh, last year I did speak here, and apparently I spoke, uh, mentioned the word jubilee, that may be mentioned today again, but uh, it is a significant theme in Scripture. But in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in Matthew chapter 21, he's actually going to arrive in Jerusalem. He's been walking from Galilee down to Jerusalem, which takes a little over a week. If you're going to do this, and you're going to walk by foot from Nazareth or Capernaum or somewhere around Galilee, and you're walking. They don't have cars. They don't have Harleys. They don't have Jeeps. Jesus' friends, his disciples, the twelve, and there's other people who walk along in the Gospel of Luke. Sometimes there's as many as 70 that are walking along. So a big crowd is walking down the road with Jesus, and it takes a little over a week to do that. So that's, that's a long trip. And he hasn't made it there, but he keeps, as Matthew tells the story, he keeps running into people who are asking, asking him questions. The question that he receives this time, just beyond chapter 20 and chapter 19, is about the greatest commands. The rich man comes to him and says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him about selling his possessions. Get rid of them. He said, I kept all the commands since I was just young. So what else do I lack to enter the kingdom of heaven? This is a key word, this kingdom stuff. What do I need to do? Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, man, I know that you're a good guy. Sell everything you got. Sell it. Now, that's not what this man wanted to hear. And most of us, when we come to church and say, Hey, preacher, what do you got? What do I got to do to go to heaven? And the preacher says, Sell everything you got. Most of us don't particularly like hearing that, do we? Is that an amen? We don't like hearing that. And so this guy, he walks away. Then Peter comes along in chapter 19, verse 27. He says a couple things. And Jesus uses this little phrase. Now, Matthew didn't put these chapter divisions here. We all know that, right? This is part of, this is modern stuff. He didn't break this chapter here. So at the end of chapter 19, Jesus says, But many who, will, who are first will be last. And those who are last will be first. And this is going to play out in this parable that Jesus tells. And he begins, and I'm going to read the whole thing, but he's talking about life in the kingdom of God. The world that grace creates. What is that world that grace creates? And I'm going to start and preface this by saying that first shall be last and last shall be first. Jesus is a model of that. Jesus was first. And when we gathered around the table just a little while ago to celebrate all Holy Communion or Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, we know that the first became last. Did he not? Is that an amen? The first became, became numbered with the transgressors, numbered with all the sinners in the world, and he was last. So that we could become first. Even though he had no sin, he had no faults, he had nothing that was wrong with him, he reversed the world. He created a new world. And when we gather around that table, 
We are in the world that read our text, and then we'll get into it a little more because that money stuff and that stuff, Jesus is serious about this stuff. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. And I want you to pay attention when we're reading here. Jesus keeps on using these very non-spiritual terminology. Okay, it's not this heavenly, pious, will-o'-wisp stuff. There's a real landowner, a person who was like that dude just before. A man who had all kinds of resources. And Jesus told him to sell everything you got. Get rid of it. So a landowner, a person who has property, a person who has stuff. He says, a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers, workers, people who have, they don't have property. They live every single day, day to day, to work in his vineyard. That's the property. I drove from Antioch to here, and I went by a lot of vineyards. Y'all ever been down Vasco Road? There's all kinds of vineyards. The vineyards here are olives, not olives, but uh, grapes. The stuff to make wine, this is expensive stuff. This is the, in fact, this is the economy that uh, Palestine has. This is what makes the world go around. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, we're going to come back to that, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about 9 o'clock in the morning, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go work in the vineyard. And I will pay you, and I want you to notice what it says here, whatever is right. Now, he promised the first ones, I'm going to give you a day rage. These people are not working a full day. I'll pay you whatever is right. Okay, we're going to come back to that. When he went out and he found others standing around. This is, he did this at noon and then at 3 o'clock. He went out and he found others. He said, hey, go work in my field. And about 5 o'clock, he went out and he found others still standing. And he said to them, why are you standing idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. No one gave us a job. He said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. And I want you to notice, it doesn't say anything about pay there, does it? Started off with a day's wage. Then he said, I'm going to pay you whatever is right. Then at the end, he doesn't say anything at all about pay. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay. Beginning, as chapter 19 ended, beginning with the last and then going to the first. The first shall be last and last shall be first. Where is this coming from? When those hired... At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they came, and each one of them received... Now, remember, they had no promise of anything, okay? They received a day's wage, the usual day's wage. Now, when the first came, the last just got paid, now the first is going to get paid. When the first came... They thought that they would receive more. But each of them received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. 
saying, the last worker, they worked only an hour, 60 minutes. By the time they clocked in and by the time they got to the actual grapes, it may have been 45 minutes. It may have been 30 minutes. They've only been here for, oh man, they didn't even get a splinter. They only worked for an hour and you made them, and I want you to notice what it says here, equal to us. Does your old Bible say that? How many people's Bible says that? You made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to, to this last the same as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This image of the kingdom of God is radically different in Jesus. It's something that's filled with the Bible, actually. Jesus is channeling stuff that comes from the Hebrew Bible all over the place. But I want you to go with me to the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read through the Gospel of Matthew, you'll find out that when Jesus preached this Sermon on the Mount, that the rest of the Gospel of Matthew is often just a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And when we look at this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, I want you to see what it says in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, it says, Pray then in this way. This is what religious people do. This is what people who, who are praying in the God-ordained way. This is the way the people who pray in the Jesus way prays. This is how Jesus prays. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice what it says, your kingdom come. Jesus just told a parable. He says, the kingdom's like this. Your kingdom come. When the kingdom comes, something's going to happen. And what is that? Your will is going to be done not in heaven. Your will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does your Bible say that? I want it to be, no, when I'm praying, God, I'm not praying that your will be done in heaven. It's already done there. I'm praying that your will will be done here. Your kingdom come. The kingdom is like this. A landowner owned a certain thing. The kingdom is going to come, he says. Give us this day, our daily bread. These people have no daily bread. In Matthew chapter 20, they have no way of living. You've got a landowner who owns everything. And he chooses to go out and hire people who work in his property, his stuff. They have no stuff. And so he says, give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Now notice what you see that it says in the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't say forgive us of our sin. Does your Bible say that? It says forgive us of our what? Our debt. That's the Jubilee thing, by the way. Jubilee always has to do with debt and it has to do with reordering the world. And that's what Christianity is about. That's what Jesus is about. Sometimes we turn Christianity into this thing that is just dying and going to heaven. But 
in Matthew and Jesus, it's not that not stuff going on in heaven. It's what God is trying to get to do, done on earth. On earth. And so he says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's this reciprocity going on. We're going to find that in the parable in just a moment. And do not bring us into a time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Let's go back to this. Oh, oh, before you turn away, in that uh, same text, just a couple of verses down, we get this stuff that says, In everything you do to others, do to them as you would have them do to you. Okay? We call that the golden rule kind of thing. Now, let's come back to our text, Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is talking about the kingdom, the world that grace makes. We are praying that your kingdom will come and your will is done. Not in heaven, but on earth. Now, we've got a landowner. He's rich, like the dude who Jesus just talked to. And Jesus tells this parable in a way to contrast the way different people see themselves by comparing themselves to God. God is the landowner. The whole world is mine. Amen? The whole world is mine. What are you going to do to it? How are you going to treat it? How, is, how are we going to interact with one another? you got some people who are looking for daily bread. They can't go to Walmart. There is no such thing as Walmart. They, they can't go to the grocery store. They can't go to the gas station. If, if they don't get paid on a daily basis, which is many different ways of getting that, usually some food of some sort or a coin of some sort where they can actually go to the market on the way home and then the wife can make some food. And that's what actually happened in Jesus' day. But if they don't have that, their family doesn't eat. He goes out and he finds these people. He says, hey man, I'm going to pay you 240 bucks to work in my, my vineyard today. A day's wage. Now again, because our Bibles sometimes, we, we, we turn this stuff into just never, never land. And we, we don't translate this into our own time. So this week, I spent some time trying to figure out what a day's wage is. And it depends on where you are. If you're making 15 bucks an hour at... Uh, <clears throat> McDonald's, or if you're working out in the field, and I did some calculating on this, did some investigating, came up with somewhere around between 25 and 30 bucks an hour. If you're making $28 an hour, or you're making 30 bucks an hour, that is $240 a day. Okay? You work eight hours a day, 240 bucks. And that doesn't seem, that's, that's even on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale, 240 bucks a day. So I'm going to pay you 240 bucks to come work in my vineyard for the day. Three hours later, some people, I'm going to pay you whatever is right. And you say, okay, a third of the day is gone. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a third off of that pay for that day. Then he goes out at noon. Half the day is gone. So maybe I'll get half that. And then those folks who are literally at the end of the day, and I want you to notice what it says there in verse 7. He said to those folks at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the day is over. But this is the world that grace creates. The landowner didn't look at those people and say, man, they just lucked out today. 
Their families are not going to have anything to eat today. Now, the landowner knows this. He's completely different than the dude who walked away from Jesus. He's like, these people, his wife, his children, whatever, they're going to they're gonna be hungry today. The world that grace created in this day, he saw those people and he acted compassionately and he said to them, why have you been idle all day? And they said, no one gave us a job. They didn't have opportunity. Are y'all listening to me? They have no opportunity. These people, they got hired in the morning. They got hired at noon. We've been here all day. No one gave us a job. No one hired us. And so he said, I will just go work in my yard. Go work in my vineyard. Then just a couple of minutes later, 60 minutes is really not that long, is it? Amen? 60 minutes is not very long. Unless you're sitting out there underneath the sun all day long, 60 minutes seems like a long time. And these people, they get unhappy about this. Do they not? They get unhappy about this because they have been suffering under the heat. Now, you know, today it's going to be up around pretty close to 100 degrees. Yesterday I was out in my Jeep and I did this big long excursion. I went over to the coast, which was beautiful, coming back. And it was really, really hot. About 5.30 in the afternoon and the sun is just beating down on me and it's like 96 degrees and, and that air is just coming through. I didn't like it. Okay? And I was with the breeze. Imagine if I was just standing out there in the hot, dusty field. I really know I wouldn't like it. How about y'all? Well, pay time comes because they do. They get paid every single day. Again, that's how their world Acts. And God, the, the owner, says, I want you to begin with the people who had nothing. Begin with the people who had nothing. Sometimes we turn grace and Christianity and something into something that has absolutely nothing to do with the world we live in. This is actually why Karl Marx called Christianity the opiate of the people. Because in that particular version of Christianity, it, it didn't do anything to people. And it's supposed to change the world. Grace is not just about my relationship with God. As you go through the story in the Gospel of Matthew, grace is horizontal. Grace is my relationship with you. Grace is how the world changes my relationship with you. This is what we call the greatest commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, but love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what Jesus just told this dude. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, go sell everything you got. That's going to cost you something. That's how you love your neighbor as yourself. Do to them as you would have them do to you. And, of course, this is not very very popular with people. And it's not very popular with me. I do confess. Amen? 
It is. It is not. This is why we want to talk about going to heaven where everything's going to be okay, where I can continue to live as if the world belongs to me. It doesn't. It's the landowner's world. And he chooses to be gracious to whoever he wants to be gracious to. And so he calls those who are last and those people who worked for 60 minutes. And again, if, if this is the real world, it is a whole lot less than 60 minutes. And you know it and I know it too. Even if they have a punch clock and say, hey, I'm going to go this. And you've got to go flip burgers at McDonald's. By the time you, you put your thing in the clock and you go make your first burger, that's going to take 20 minutes right there. Is it not? I worked at McDonald's. I'm sure some of y'all have too. You mean that that person just got paid 240 bucks for a single burger? You got paid 240 bucks and you haven't even dropped the fries? And it says, and I want you to notice this in verse 11, and those who have been there all day long, they came in at 9 o'clock in the morning. They had been there all day. They had worked hard. They didn't gripe and grumble until pay time. And notice what it says. They grumbled. Now, every single person who's a Jew listening to this, it's like when I hear the, the first three chords of All Summer Long by Kid Rock. I know that he's channeling Leonard Skinner. All I got to do is hear it. There's, this reminds me of this. Okay? Then That's lots of other music too. Every Jew's got this going on in their head. That word mumble. Oh, it's, it's in neon lights, brothers and sisters. This is the wilderness generation. You go read Numbers and Exodus and what are they doing all the time? What are they doing? Grumbling, grumbling and grumbling and grumbling and mumbling. This is the church people who are getting mad at these people for receiving grace. This is the Jonah syndrome. I have been coming, and I don't want to turn this into a church attendance thing. I want us to keep this as Jesus does. He's talking debt. He's talking about real life world. He's talking about the whole nine yards. He's saying, look, and y'all are all upset. All of a sudden, sometimes we got to look in the mirror and see ourselves, and Jesus is holding it up. You're mumbling. You are just like your ancestors who you said you were better than. You're mumbling and grumbling. And what did they, they saw, what did that mumbling genera generation do? They saw Yahweh defeat Pharaoh, open up that Red Sea, pulled them through on dry ground, fed them the bread of angels, and what are they doing? Grumbling. Oh, you've been set free. What right do you have to complain? And now I have been generous to you. Those who have received grace are gracious to others. 
A redeemed slave is gracious to other slaves. All through the biblical narrative, it says, remember, remember, when we came to the table, remember, remember, remember. Because when we don't remember, we become mumblers and grumblers and selfish and self-centered, and the world belongs to me. And it doesn't belong to me. I am a tenant. I am a worker in the vineyard. My job is to be gracious. Gracious, gracious to create a world that is run by grace. And so we come down where the landowner, and it's not the manager anymore, the landowner himself addresses these people who have been working all day. He doesn't tell them that you were a slob. He doesn't tell them that they were lazy. He doesn't tell them that they didn't earn their money. He says, hey, man. We had an agreement. You came and you did it and I've paid you. Why are you mad that I'm gracious? We sing about grace all the time. We love it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound has saved a wretch like me. But then when we get that grace for other wretches who are just like me, we're not too happy about it. Somehow or another, we think, just like they do, that I have a status that is superior to them. And this can be rich over poor, which is exactly what's going on here. But you got a bunch of slobs, a bunch of poor people. All of them are poor. All of them are day laborers. But all of them have received grace. Some are looking down their nose on others because they have received the same grace. Grace. Are y'all with me so far? Oh my goodness. Why are you envious of my generosity? Ask that question. When you start thinking about the Bible as a whole, this question throws into stark relief a lot of biblical stories. The world that grace creates, kind of like a man by the name of John Perkins. Anybody here ever heard of John Perkins? John Perkins is <clears throat> a long-time preacher and civil rights leader in the state of Mississippi. I first met John Perkins in 1993. Wonderful man. He's labored in the kingdom for a long, 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 long time. His brother was killed by the police in 1948 while he was trying to go to the movies. Just got home from the war. He was there with his, his girlfriend and they were trying to get into the movies and a ruckus took, turned out and the cops shot him. He didn't like that. He was upset about it. That's not the world that grace creates. And so he wrestled with, with faith, whether, whether he even believed in God, whether he believed in Jesus. And these, all these people claimed to be Christians, by the way. He eventually embraced the faith again 
and decided that he would come to California, and he did. He came to California, and he was here for quite a while. <clears throat> and then he decided to become a preacher, and he went back to Mississippi. That's where I met him. <clears throat> he was involved in the civil rights movement there, and he got arrested. And the police took him, beat the tar out of him. He's got this big old knot on his head to this day. And his son, Spencer, this was in 1972. This is after Martin Luther King's already dead and buried. His son, Spencer, who was 16 at the time, decided that uh, this, is, this is not worth it. That, that we need to hate people instead, especially those who are white. John Perkins happened to be at church that next day, or next Sunday anyway, and he's teaching, and his son asks him, in church, am I supposed to love white people? Maybe Malcolm X is right. And John says, yes, we have to love everybody, especially white people. And so the Lord worked in his life, and he brought this man by the name of Thomas Tarrant. Now, I don't know know who Thomas Tarrant is. If you don't know who John Perkins is, you probably don't know who Thomas Tarrant was. Thomas Tarrant was the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan in the state of Mississippi. He was arrested and arraigned to prison on several murder charges, killing rights workers, firebombing churches, the whole nine yards. God brings their lives together. John Perkins and Thomas Tarrant. And you get this man who is not much bigger than me. In fact, John Perkins is not bigger than me. Looking at this dude on the other side who is a, um, uh, who hates you. What do you do? John loved him. Taught him, worked with him. And Thomas became a Christian, a real Christian. He thought he was a Christian before. He claimed to be one. Gave his life to the Lord. And now Thomas is a pastor, a minister for an interracial congregation. And him and John Perkins wrote a book called He's My Brother. Where you can actually sit down with somebody who is completely different than you. Somebody who wishes you not just not to get paid, but wishes you do not exist. That, brothers and sisters, is the world that grace creates. That is what Jesus is talking about. That the world, not heaven... Grace isn't about heaven. It's not doing anything for heaven. Grace is changing the world. God places us in this world to be John Perkins, where we will be the salt of the earth. Not the salt of heaven. The salt of the earth. Where we are the light in a dark place. Where we shine the light of grace. Where we say that really, you know what grace does? 
grace makes us equal. The first is the last, and the last is the first, and the story in between are people who get paid the same. Grace removes my claim to superiority. And this is one reason we really don't like it. And we don't like it. We like singing about it. But as G.C. Brewer once said, we preach, sing a better gospel than what we actually preach. But the world is changed because I suddenly realize, suddenly realize, and I don't just suddenly realize it intellectually, but I order my life based on this. In everything I do, that you and I are both beggars in the vineyard of God, and that we equally receive God's grace, and we share that together, me with you, and you with me. I hope uh, that that makes sense this morning. Does it make sense? Oh, the world that grace creates is a beautiful place. It's hard to find. But when you find the kingdom of heaven, you will find the world grace creates. I don't know what your tradition is here. I forgot, but I'm done.